Good afternoon, evening, morning, whatever you might be listening. This is Brian Yeager, host of Grand Craft Beer, Ben's premier beer podcast. It's the only one. And today I am joined by Trevor Haman, who is the founder and brewmaster at Bridge 99 Brewery. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for starters, let's just sort of dive into how and when you and your wife, Angel, got your brewery up and going. Uh, it was, let's see, started through the licensing process back in end of 2011. Uh, didn't get, took a long time. We didn't know what we were doing. So obviously getting through all the federal uh, paperwork. And at that time it was a lot harder to do. It's all by mail. Uh, but it took about a year and a half. So by end of 13, we got a, the approval to move forward. Uh, basically added on the back of my garage, had to be a lockable space, got approval from the city and uh, had a small, just got a small system set up, had a small fermenting room, small grain room and small little brew space, floor drain and that kind of thing. Um, Basically, just wanted to kind of have fun with it. Figured, hey, you know, uh, just try see what we can do and see if we can keg up some stuff and sell it. And pretty soon it was sold a couple of kegs, and then pretty soon somebody ordered a couple more kegs. So it was, it was like, well, well, maybe we're onto something. <laughs> and as I recall, so I believe you sold your first beer in 2013. Is that correct? Commercial yeah. beer, right? Yeah. Uh, but you had not come from some other brewery. And you worked your way up to Brewmaster and you said, you know what, I want to strike out on my own. You were exclusively a home brewer. Uh, so what was that process like of sort of getting starting in home brewing? When did that happen? What kind of beers were you brewing? And at what point did you start? I mean, I'm assuming maybe your friends and neighbors said, hmm, I'd pay for this. Like, uh, What made you yeah. think to go pro, as it were? Uh, yeah, gave away a lot of beer over the, <laughs> the years prior. Um, so that was kind of just, it was like, Hey, I had fun doing it. It was like, Hey, can, can I turn it into a business? But let's just start really small and just kind of go from there. And, uh, yeah, giving it to the neighbors and friends and, you know, like, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd take that. So, uh, our first beer was rock crawler red really that had a bunch of other recipes, but that one really came out really like was hoping for it to be. And so we still have that recipe, um, still do that one. And, uh, it's been fun though to, from a lot of the beers have started with to just kind of tweak them and change them a little over the years and try to improve those ones and come up with a lot of new beers. But it's been a definitely a, a growing and learning process along the way. Every day I tell people I learn something new all the time, <laughs> all the time. And if I recall correctly, is Rock Crawler Red still one of your top selling beers? It It's one of our top beers, yeah. So what I well. think is really interesting about that is a decade ago, Virtually every brewery did have a red. Maybe they had an amber, but they had something that was sort of pretty straightforward, really struck that quintessential balance of malt and hops. And here we are a decade later, IPA, 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 IPA. That's what people want. That's what a lot of brewers are providing. And obviously Bridge 99 does have great IPAs. But is there a part of you that still pines for those days or are you happy that we have moved forward in this industry and you know beer in general is always about innovation and moving forward and and you know changing with the times no i i enjoy the I mean, we have 14 different beers on tap right now 
and um, we definitely we have what, three or four of their IPAs, but and a pale ale. But I I like some days I'm a definitely it's like depends on the day. Some day I'm like ah, I just want a lager or a pilsner, or some days like yeah I want an IPA, or some days I'm like ah just you know a brown or something. So I I change a lot. So. And I think there's other people that do that too. It's like, oh, I just don't feel like that today, but I feel like something else, um, you know? And then I've even gotten into, I started doing, I got a non-alcoholic oh, really? on tap and cause I ride a motorcycle. So, oh. so and, it is a personal. Well, thing. I did it. Well, I had a lot of requests, started getting a lot of requests for it. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's been some other breweries I know Crux has been doing a couple of them. Uh, and so it was like, Hey, I'll, you know, can I make one, try to figure it out and, uh, First one was okay. Second one definitely came out a lot better, but it had some really good feedback on it. People really like it. And I'm like, yeah, I drink it. And pretty soon I'm like, oh, second one, I'm like, I, I don't feel like I'm missing out on the beer. You know, I feel like I still get to enjoy it, which is interesting. Sure. Yeah. And let's actually talk about this because obviously if anyone who is paying attention to the larger beer industry is well aware that the NA segment, the non-alcoholic beer segment is probably the very largest section of growth within beer uh you have brands like athletic that went from (laughs) uh from basically you know when when it arrived i was certainly one of those people who thought really a whole brewery dedicated to na beer to one of the top 20 breweries in america so what i want to know is and even though i've i've looked into this i've talked to people i still don't feel like i have a pretty good handle on this what is the process of making NA beer? Do you make a regular beer and it gets de-alcoholized? Do you not ferment it to the point where it creates the alcohol? What is NA beer, even though there's more than one way to, to skin that cat? Yeah, there's definitely several ways of looking into it. Um, there is a, you can do it, brew it like a regular beer, and then there's a machine that you can, I don't know how much they are, but <laughs> probably way out of my price range. <laughs> I didn't even, didn't even look into it, but uh that uh, I know you can basically strip strip the alcohol out of it. And uh, so what's what's Bridge 99? So method? basically what I did is I just did a very minimal amount of grain in there, um, fermented it, and it's very sh- short window to ferment it. When you say short window, if, it, if your average beer is, I don't know, you know, it should be two to three weeks, I feel like a lot of breweries kind of get away with 10 days. Uh, what, what is the fermentation period for a non-alcoholic uh, like one to two day of fermentation, turn the fermentation off. Right. I mean, you still have the resting period and that kind of thing. Um, dry hopping. Um, most of your flavors come from the, the hops, the dry hopping. So it's a little bit like a hop water in a way, just a minimal amount of malt in the background. Um, but it's, I like it. It's nice and crisp and light. It's actually really nice in summertime. Uh, super light. Good thing, too, is this uh, lower in, you know, calories-wise, so you're mm-hmm. not – I mean, you can have a whole bunch of them, and you're not getting a lot of calories there, which is nice, too. Sometimes, hey, I want to have a few, or I've had a couple and then one regular beer or something. Well, obviously, the reason we have tons and tons of beer styles is not everyone wants the same flavor. Not everyone wants the same flavor all the time. So for my personal, right, just my personal preferences, uh, I have discovered, while I don't drink a lot of N.A. beer, I am a fan of the hot waters. And now you've gone from an NA product that has, you know, I don't know. I, I should know these numbers, but let's say your average pint of a, a pale ale has 
20 or 30 grams of carbohydrates. Is that about accurate? Or am I way uh, off there? Maybe 15 to 20? Maybe a little. You're probably right the first time. And then you're looking at probably around right around 300 calories, either, mm-hmm. you know, give or take, depending on the beer. And then so. not to say that any craft breweries are emulating a, a, a Michelob Ultra, but... You know, that's a beer that got to be that huge because it has some like 2.8 grams of carbs and, I don't know, 70 calories or something very, very minimal, which, of course, is great. Um, NA beers are right in that ca- in that range, I want to say. But hot waters generally are no sugar, no carbohydrates, no calories, or maybe right. 5 yeah. to 10. Yeah. Um, so I sort of... You know, what, what's your take on N.A. beer versus hop waters? You, at least to get the hop water are definitely going to be j- just, you know, obviously just going to be water and hop. This way you get a, there is a, a hint of the grain in there. But so for some people, if you don't like any flavor of malt at all, probably they might like the hop water better. And there's some people just don't like hops, period. So they're probably not going to like either one of mm-hmm. them. <laughs> well, so. it's interesting because I, I could tell you, I'm sure your ongoing live work research also uh, lets you know this, but when Bridge 99 comes up in conversation, I find a lot of people around town associate Bridge 99 with the tiramisu porter. It's such an interesting beer, largely because... No one else that I know of, I mean, maybe once or twice I've seen a beer that has hinted at being tiramisu, but certainly no one has it in their permanent lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe it is an all the time or nearly all the time beer. Yeah, I usually keep that one on. Yeah. Um, And yet that is quite malt forward. It is a it is a classic porter. But then you have that interesting sort of light vanilla coffee note on top of it. It's not. It doesn't dominate it. It's still very much in the realm of a classic porter. Uh, And therefore, obviously, very little in the hop character. Is that a beer that really, do you find that resonates with dark beer drinkers or anyone who isn't looking for something hoppy? Get a lot of people, yeah, if they're not looking for something hoppy, sometimes I can steer them into that. Sometimes people panic because it's dark, it, but it's got a nice light front to it. Um, so sometimes it really surprises people, or sometimes they think, oh, it's going to be really sweet. Yeah, it's not right. sweet, it's exactly. Not sweet. Um, no, I was more trying to go for that kind of caramely, vanilla caramely front, chocolate middle, and then a little bit of a coffee finish on there. Um, and that's kind of why we named it after tiramisu, because that's mm-hmm. pretty much the cake there. So, um, But, and then... Some people, yeah, they're really only, with a lot of people, hey, they really only like dark beer, so I kind of steer them, steer them in that direction, obviously, and they usually they go, oh, yeah, that's great, so I'll take one of those. Well, let's also talk about, I know you started brewing in your, at home. Mm-hmm. Was was it literally in your basement? Was it in an outbuilding? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, home brewing started in the garage, and then uh, added on, basically, a, uh, it was like 30 by... 15 kind of addition to the garage um but it had to be completely separate right part of the garage. it has to be a lockable completely separate space and so um yeah just put it in there put a triple 
sink in there or fermenting room and then spot for the brew kettles and a uh, small little grain room and then a little uh, kind of desk in the corner. So it wasn't huge or anything, but it was a great way to get started. And I figured, well, I don't have to rent a space or anything like that because you don't really, I mean, you're just kind of just having fun with it and see if what it would take to do it. And it's a learning curve since I didn't have that background. So, And for people who have lived here or been visiting long enough, uh, they hopefully will remember when you premiered, when you debuted, you were sort of using Wubba's Barbecue as your de facto tasting room. And of course, Wubba's, uh, may, may it rest in peace. Uh, but uh, that is sort of, I believe, how you got, how you came to exist in the Northeast Bend in that Boyd Acres neighborhood, which in the ensuing years has really built up to what is probably what I think of as Ben's most brewery dense neighborhood. Uh, what is it like operating in a part of town that is very much developing residentially, but for uh, permitting reasons has become the place where a lot of breweries either have opened or uh, I could think of two, almost three breweries really that have opened up their larger production facilities all around you. Yeah. What is that community like for you? Uh, yeah, it's nice. You know, I get a, there's a large neighborhood behind us, and so we get a, a ton of those people that walk over with their dog or ride their bicycle or bicycle or skateboard or whatever. Um, so that's fun, and they appreciate that we're there because it's like, hey, it's kind of like the neighborhood pub kind of a thing. So, And that's what I was kind of hoping for. Um, and us getting food in this last, well, a little over a year now, and then we've got hard alcohol now. And it's been fun, kind of been working on that, really concentrating that the last two years basically is the whole food and and trying to introduce the beer in with the food. So like our pizzas, we use some of our beer in the sauce. Uh, along with like which? Of, uh, the red primarily or the brown. Both of them work really well in the sauce and the red sauce. Uh, so it's been fun kind of developing food food options that, that pair well with the beers, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the community over there, keeps growing craft kitchens up the street and Van Hennion's now above us. Uh, and then, uh, uh, 10 barrels down the road. So sometimes, you know, people are heading to 10 barrel and they go, Oh, Hey, <laughs> and they might out of the corner. I notice us, we sit back a little bit. So it's a little harder to, to see us. We're not quite on the road. So to get people's attention is tough. <laughs> this, this could be a whole separate podcast and in truth be told, it will in the near future, but you mentioned 10 barrel. It's almost impossible to ignore the very, very large news that uh, exploded in our community this week, rather last week, uh, that, of course, hit the national beer industry as well, which is Ten Barrel, which opened shortly before Bridge 99, <clears throat> but then famously was purchased by Anheuser-Busch InBev, AB InBev, uh, about a year after Bridge 99 had opened. And here we are, less than a decade later, it has been unloaded by AB InBev, sold to a company called Tilray Brands. Uh, they have their hands in many different uh, pockets of the of the vice industry. They're, they're in cannabis, they're in hard alcohol, they're in uh, craft beer. Uh, they already were in craft beer. Um, thoughts on your largest neighbor? I don't want to say... I, 
hard to say. Do we call them an independent brewery? They're they're still owned by a very large company. I mean, the price tag for the package of breweries that AB unloaded, which of course included Oregon's Widmer Brothers, as well as their Square Mile Cidery, Red Hook, um, Blue Point, just a, a bunch of you know eight total brands across their portfolio. Uh, do you think that that will have any impact on consumer decisions? Because the truth of the matter is, we could dance around it. Some people said, I won't go there anymore because they're owned by Budweiser. Other people clearly have said, I don't care. They've always made great beer. They're one of the most award-winning breweries in Oregon and also in the country. Uh, do you think that it has any impact, this this change of ownership of theirs? Oh, I'm sure it's going to have some impact. I just, you know, where is it going to go? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Could, yeah. It could be, you know, they're way busier. It could be maybe people are, aren't, aren't sure what's going on. And I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. It'll, it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens for but, sure. Uh, the other thing, and this is sort of you had mentioned whether people are coming to your pocket because they were heading to 10 Barrel and then they discovered that there's other breweries there or they've already known about it. And you mentioned you get a lot of customers who show up on skateboards, but you also mentioned bicycles. Uh, this will be the first time this is being discussed publicly uh, on September 9th of 2023. We are making something happen that the, the, the nucleus of this idea actually came about many months ago when you and I were having some beers at your neighbors at Craft Kitchen and Brewery, we were talking about, let's get an event going that would bring people to Boyd Acres, to this neighborhood, with all in all, there are seven breweries, but two of them are production facilities that are just not open to the public. They don't have a tap room. So really five, and all five of them, and those are Bridge 99, of course, uh, Craft, of course, your newest neighbors in Van Henyon operating out of the former Boneyard production facility, as well as Oblivion Brewing. Uh, the fact of the matter is they, you know, they used to have a pub on Galveston. That is now the Sun River Westside Pub. I know uh, that there is some big news coming out of Oblivion uh, soon about a new tap room, a de facto tap room, as it were, and, uh, and, and 10 barrels. So we have five breweries there that we are going to be hosting this event called Radler Fest. And Radler's, most people know, is basically a cocktail, as it were, that is half beer, half soft drink. Could be lemonade, could be soda, something of that nature, that cuts down the alcohol content. And the word is the German word for cyclist. And it was invented in, as a way to sort of slake the thirst of German bicyclists. So we're going to be doing this event on Saturday. Uh, have you already prepared what Radler you are going to be serving because the whole purpose of this event is to get people to ideally show up by bike. If you want to be on a skateboard, unicycle, one of those mono wheels, whatever you've got, right? Or just on your own two feet, but wearing a bicycle shirt. I don't know. Uh, have you thought about what you will be serving or is that still TBD? Uh, I got to, I'm going to be doing a little bit of experimentation, but I have it kind of narrowed down, I think, is what I'm going to do. So Excellent. Because the other thing is, I think the traditional, like if you were to order one in Germany or, you know, I, I know that uh, a couple Austrian breweries 
make great Rattlers that, that you could find in bottles here. They're usually a light lager and maybe a grapefruit soda or, you know, it could be squirt, something of that nature. Uh, but it by no means needs to be limited to that. You could use any beer and any soft drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't wait to find out what all the different breweries do come up with and ideally have someone show up. And because we're talking half alcohol, you could absolutely show up at all five and have one Rattler from all of them without feeling like you just drank five pints of beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you stop and have a little food, a couple of them, and, exactly. and extend the extend the fun. It's going to be a whole day event. You know, September 9th, obviously, will be warm. Hopefully it won't be as smoky as it is right now. Uh, I think it'll be fun. Uh, but what are some of the other events that you host there? Because you have that full parking lot. You have a couple different food trucks, different styles, and, of course, your pizza. Um, how, do you, how do those other events happen? Is it that maybe a, a nonprofit approaches you, or do you reach out to them? Because you've held some really good community building and fundraising events there. Yeah, we've been. that's one thing I've been trying to work on this last year is uh, still working on a little bit more, but uh, I've been trying to do some bingo, charity bingo on Sundays, so that way there's a good charity bring different people in and, uh, you know, enjoy having some fun bingo on a Sunday. Um, so we're kind of held off right now because of the smoke and uh, a lot of people travel in the summer, but we'll start this back up as soon as, uh, kids get back into school. Um, and we'll get that going again. Um, we've been doing trivia nights, uh, which have been great for Mondays and Thursday nights and gets people out having some fun and team event with friends and that kind of thing. So uh, those have been a lot of fun. And then uh, Saturday nights have been doing some karaoke, which is is fun too. So, um, And then we've got some other, sometimes we just have people that come to us and, hey, could we do some kind of a little event there or something so that try to work those in. Well, I know for a fact that if you have a karaoke night, the more beer you drink, either the better you sing or the better you sound to yourself. But how does it work with trivia? Does it make you smarter or not? <laughs> that one's a tough one. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's something that you got to head out to Bridge 99, find out for yourself, come with your favorite songs. Uh, could, you, could you tell us when? Is it is it a set night when trivia night and karaoke nights are? Or is it... Uh, change up. Yeah, triv- trivia nights are every Monday and Thursday nights, uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And then we st- stay open another hour longer. So if people are just hanging out, having a good time, they can they don't have to rush out. Um, and then uh, karaoke is on Saturday nights starting 6 to 9. Um, and we've had some pretty amazing singers. I've uh, been blown away. I'm like, wow, that, I had to double check make sure it wasn't the radio on (laughs) that's the other thing about your you know you have karaoke night great singers i know uh craft kitchen and brewery often hosts a comedy even an open mic night so very similar concept super fun (laughs) (laughs) uh so lots of lots of uh breweries again five breweries with a tap room tasting room that are open to the public in that pocket of northeast bend uh, so much good beer going on there. So many great neighbors. Um, I think that's a, 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 a way to let people know whether you are living here and you're 
not in Northeast. It's a great pocket to go explore, certainly if you happen to be visiting. Bend, if you're doing a, a brewery crawl, as a lot of the people who come to town are, I tell everyone, if you want to hit the most breweries in a day, you have to go to that pocket. Anything else that we haven't covered? I know we could certainly talk beer for a much longer time, but trying to keep these half pint sized. Uh, anything else that you would like the folks to know about Bridge 99 or Bend Beer in general? Oh, well, there's we get a lot of animals. Bring your dogs in. We even had a cat one time that was pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, dogs are super fun to have there. And yeah, we're dog town, USA. Yeah. We're not cat town. Yeah, I know. Just more <laughs> dogs. Mostly dogs. Uh, so yeah, super cool to just meet new people and people coming in and enjoying themselves. Right on. Well, next time you pop into Bridge 99, definitely uh, try to say hello to Trevor if he happens to be there. Thank you so much for coming in today. Great having you on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.